Man, thank you for your giving. Thank you for your tithes. We made budget in November. Come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The doors are open. <laughs> Amen. All right, so here's the big test. Was it December 6th? Who's done with their Christmas shopping? You know, you just need to get out of here because you said it first service. You made me mad first service. What? Like the rest of you, like, I'm just like, are you kidding me? I, it was so funny. I, I, I asked at first service because I wanted to, like, just stress us all out because, you know, we're not done. But then there's, like, these people who are like, oh, yeah, I am done. Okay. I didn't do this first service, but I'm just kind of annoyed at this point. How many of you who have done all your Christmas shopping have wrapped all of your presents yet? Unbelievable. Come to my house. We'll pay you five bucks an hour to wrap our presents. <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. Addie, Addie isn't here, but <laughs> she, she's really into Santa. You know, three-year-old Santa, you know, lover. And she, um, and as a parent, when they go on the lap of Santa and he says, what do you want? As a parent, you kind of lean in, right? Because you're like, oh, man, you know, kind of. And, you know, so you can work with Santa, you know, to, you know whatever. So, um, and she wants a flying horse. <laughs> and so Mary and I are just like, well, and I, don't, I wasn't even there. Mary's like, Addie wants a flying horse. I'm like, she wants a flying horse? It's like, where do you get a flying horse? She goes, I don't know, but she wants a flying horse. So then we looked one up. And at Target, they sell like, they actually sell a flying horse for $100. Oh and so I can guarantee you that flying horse is not flying into the Bursch family anytime soon. All right, well, let's talk after service. Because <laughs> I, I kind of, here's the problem with three-year-olds. They play with the toy once. So um, I kind of like the dollar store is awesome for, for that. <laughs> um, here's some bubbles. Merry Christmas. She loves, freaks out over bubbles. So anyways, today we're talking second week in this series of gifts worth giving. We got these beautiful gifts up here. Jamie's wrapped all of her gifts already, but it's, it's been a pretty fun series. I'm enjoying it. It's just this idea that the Heavenly Father has given us this gift, and the gift has a name, and his name is Jesus, as the Seventh-day Adventist just did a great job decorating in here. It's Jesus, right? This gift, and, and the Father, and I want you to get this, and I said that last week, I want you to get it this week as well. The Father gave us this gift, and he gave it for Everyone. I want us to really think about that. Everyone. The angel, remember the angel announced to the shepherds 2,000 years ago that they had good news. Everybody say good news. Everybody say great joy for everyone. For all the people, right? All the people. That's what the Bible says. And so today, we receive this gift of Jesus in our lives. It's important to understand that the gift is for everyone. It's for everyone, and, and we must be willing to share the gift. Last week we talked about, and I just, I, I loved last week, we talked about that gift of hope, right? In Jesus, we have the gift of hope. This week we're celebrating that with the birth of Jesus, we are given, and I'm excited about today, we are given this gift of God's presence. You ever thought about that? That with Jesus we're given the gift of God's presence? Remember they called him Emmanuel. Remember what Emmanuel means? God is with us. Amen. So we have a good gift to celebrate this morning, but before we go any further, 
Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I just invite you here, knowing that you already are here. I just want to prepare my heart, make room for you today, Jesus. Um, as we engage in this service, as we engage in what you're speaking to us, Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be open to you. Our, our hearts would be soft towards you, God. Uh, we want to give ears to what you have to say to us. We want to have eyes to see what you're doing. Lord, we don't want to wait for tomorrow. We want to be engaged right now in what you're speaking to us by your wonderful and holy word. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Christmas. It means many different things to many different people. But if you condense the many meanings of Christmas down to just one simple truth, you'll always end up with four words. Over and over and over again. Four words. God is with us. The holy God of Israel, wrapped warmly in humanity, is crying real tears in a real city with real parents who are trying their best to take it all in. God is with us. He's on our planet, on our countryside, in our manger. Emmanuel, the very name the angel speaks, is now given to Jesus because God is with us. Fast forward 2,000 years. The four words that changed history can now change us. Those four words are the only words that can bring meaning to the deepest places of our hearts. For the woman whose husband walked out on her and who continually struggles to pick up the pieces. For the elderly couple who can no longer care independently for themselves and who must now rely on the care of others. For the man who watches as all of his friends get married off and who painfully wonders if there's any woman out there who will ever take an interest in him. For the person who is seeking truth and looking hard at Jesus as a possibility. You are not alone. You never have been, and you never will be. Because God in Christ wrapped himself in human flesh, stepped out of eternity and into time, and chose a cave in Bethlehem to communicate one simple, abiding truth. God is with us. And those four words have the power and the beauty to change every waking moment. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. This is the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. As you turn there, I, I think it's important that we understand today that when Jesus came to earth, I want you to hear this, that when Jesus came to earth, God the Son came to earth. We believe that Jesus is God, right? We believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. And because of this, when Jesus is found as a baby boy in Bethlehem, he is called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What were those four words again? God is with us. Hold on to that thought. Hold on to the thought of Emmanuel. God is with us. Now let's go back before Jesus' birth. We got Mary. And who is Mary engaged to, to, to Mary? To Joseph. Uh, but during this time, Mary gets pregnant, right? Joseph has a little freak out moment. He, he knows that he has not been intimate with Mary in the way that would cause Mary to get pregnant. So he's got a problem on his hands, especially during that period. Don't you know he's got a problem? And so he starts coming up with a plan to fix a problem. Guys, what do we do? That's what we do, right? We are fix-it Felix. We just fix problems. And so he comes up with a plan. This is the way it comes out in Matthew chapter 118. 
This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. He did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So Joseph, as you can see, he's got a plan. It's not the worst plan in the world, but praise the Lord, don't you know that God has a better plan. Amen? So here, we, here it is. Here's God's plan. Listen to verse 20. As he considered this, so Joseph's kind of coming up with his plan, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream, says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So there it is. Emmanuel. God is with us. Now we've got to remember who's writing the book of Matthew. Matthew. Brilliant. Good job. (laughs) That's right. Matthew is writing the book of Matthew. As we discovered in our midnight Bible study on the words of Jesus. Woo-woo, 10 p.m. to midnight, Wednesdays, Uh, we learned that Matthew is primarily writing to a Jewish audience. And so in Matthew, verse 22, he writes, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. They would all know what prophet he's talking about. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Jewish audience knows this passage well. They all know the prophet. Who's the prophet that Matthew's quoting? Isaiah. You see Jesus quoting a lot of Isaiah in Matthew as well. You just see a lot of Isaiah in the book of Matthew. But Isaiah was written like 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And so this prophecy is found in the seventh chapter of Isaiah verse 14. Now Matthew, he's writing this gospel for a Jewish audience. He's declaring that Jesus has fulfilled this prophecy, fully man yet fully God. And in him, in Jesus, God is now with his people in a way like never seen before. Emmanuel. Powerful statement. And now in this room, you either believe that Jesus came as a baby boy born to a virgin named Mary and that he is Emmanuel, God with us, or in this room, you don't. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you'd say, yes, Pastor Dan, I actually believe in you. I believe what you're saying, that Jesus is Emmanuel. God is with us. So God is with his people in Jesus Christ. Amen. But now I've got a problem because don't you know, Jesus didn't stay on this earth, did he? He died. He died somewhere around my age in his 30s, died crucified. But praise the Lord, he didn't in there on the third day. He rose from the grave. And then after he rose from the grave, what did he do? He ascends into heaven. Remember all that? We have a big thing where we find eggs to celebrate it. But (laughs) before his ascension, it makes me ask the question. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, and this is just the way my brain works, does that now mean that God is not with us? No. Well, let's see what the scriptures say. Before Jesus' ascension into heaven, at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, he makes this incredible promise to his followers. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Incredible, right? That he is always with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's not all. Before Jesus returns to heaven, listen to this. He tells his followers that he's going to send them the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 14. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. Who is that? The Holy Spirit to be with you. How long? Do you see what I see? In those verses, I see Emmanuel. I see God 
with us. Isn't that incredible? 2,000 years later, we are still celebrating and believing and proclaiming that God is with us. And it's just important that we understand this. As we celebrate the gift of Jesus today, one of the greatest gifts of his birth, the, 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 his birth, his death, his resurrection, all those things that he has given us, the gift of his birth has given us the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit this morning because I just want us to remember once again that he is this incredible gift from God. Now, do we deserve the gift of the Holy Spirit? I would say no. But praise the Lord, it is a gift. A lot of the gifts from God do we deserve? Probably not. But yet we receive this gift. I want to show you how amazing the gift of the Holy Spirit really is. Just track with me just for a little bit. If you remember in the Old Testament, was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? You bet. He played a good, good answer, by the way. He played a very active role. He had come upon people at certain times and certain places, and he did amazing things. Have you ever read the Old Testament? Like, wow, the things that he would do. He'd come upon leaders. He'd come upon prophets. He'd come upon other people, and they do extraordinary things. But now because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon people. The Holy Spirit resides within people. See, he's in us. He is in us all because of the gift of Jesus. See, before Jesus, God's presence couldn't dwell in man because man was wicked, right? Full of sin. God couldn't dwell where sin resides. God demanded perfection. But listen to what the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus did for us. I could have picked a thousand verses, but I just want to read two for you. Listen to what Jesus has done. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It tells us that Christ, so the Messiah, Jesus... He made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. What a list. Righteous. As though I had never sinned. Pure. Holy. And freed from all sin. Ephesians tells us that in Christ, not in our own, but in Christ, we are holy and blameless. Again, things we do not deserve, yet it is this gift from God in the person of Jesus Christ. He has made us clean. He has made us holy. And because of that, now, this is where it gets just so good. Now we can receive the gift of God's presence, the Holy Spirit. Not just over us, not just on us, but in us. Dwelling in us forever. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? It's good. I mean, think about it. So right now, this whole service, uh, since I woke up this morning, it it was early. It was like 2.30 in the morning. But since I've been up, I have been experiencing Emmanuel, God with us. If you're a Christian here this morning, today you have been experiencing Emmanuel, God with us right now. And it's this amazing gift of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, right? It just as the, I love that video, but as the video talked about, 2,000 years ago, He made a way for God to dwell in you and me by the Holy Spirit. Not just for a little bit, not just for a season, not just for a time, but for all the days of our life, forever and ever, even until we see Jesus and on the glory, we are now in the presence of God forever. What a gift. And I want to add this. Can you, I think I'm asking it, Knowing the answer, but (laughs) it's one of those questions. Oh, you trigger. But can you even imagine living life without God's presence in you, leading you, guiding you, teaching you, helping you in your time of need, giving you strength in your time of weakness? I mean, can you imagine? I just think about my own life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
what my life would be without the abiding love, the abiding presence of God flowing in me and through me. Praise the Lord for the gift of Jesus. Unspeakable joy. I love that song. Unspeakable and glorious joy because of what Jesus has done. What Jesus is doing inside of my life. Praise God for His holy presence. But this holiday season, it's sad, but it's true. There are people in your life who have yet to experience this gift. As much as Jesus came to bring joy to all the people, to everyone, there are those in your life who have yet to receive this joy. As much as Jesus came to save the lost, to come and save those who are perishing, to give them eternal life, there are those around you who have yet to experience this life. And as I think about this world around us, which really is so lost, I am growing and learning in this and coming to realize more and more that God really loves the lost. I mean, He has a passion for the lost. God loves the people of this world. And the gift of God's presence in my life, and it is a gift. I hope you can see that this morning. The gift of the Holy Spirit residing within me, it is a gift I cannot keep to myself. It is a gift worth giving. You know, so many people during this holiday season, they feel alone, but God wants to be with them. So many people feel as they have no hope, but God wants to be their hope. So many people feel with anxiety and worries and fear. And yet God wants to give them His peace. God loves this world. God loves His creation. And church, we have to realize, and this is crazy, and and sometimes I'm like, man, I don't know what you're thinking, God. I think maybe you messed this one up. But we have to realize that God desires to reveal this amazing love and His presence. He wants to reveal it through you and through me. You ever just like, God, what were you thinking? But that's what He's called us to do. He has called us to share His presence with others. Do you believe that this morning? It's a gift to be shared. But then I'll ask some more questions. I, I, my brain just keeps on going. But how, how, how can I share Jesus with the world? How can I share your presence with those around me? And really, I mean, I could just preach the rest of my life on those questions, right? Those two questions alone, you could just blabber on for hours. And I don't want to do that. I just want to give you a few simple thoughts from the Word of God that may, hopefully that we can take home with us uh, this morning. So last week I talked from the Bible that the Bible tells us and describes us as the light of the world, which I don't know about you. I think that's pretty humbling and very undeserved. Like, I I think you got the wrong guy once again. But yet with Jesus inside us, that is who we are, children of light. And what do we do? We shine the light. Now, if we want the world to experience the presence of God, to experience Emmanuel, God with us, then hear me out. We need to shine our light, and we can only shine the light of God if we have first received that light ourselves. Does that make sense? You can't shine it if you don't have it. So think hard about your life. Are you living as one who is filled with the presence of God? Are you living as one who is filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit? Is God in you? Because His presence in you will always influence the light that shines out of you. The Holy Spirit, He's in you, filling you, leading you, guiding you, teaching you, training you, transforming you to become more like Jesus Christ. And when He is expressed, when God is expressed in us and through us, we shine. And it has nothing to do about you, it has to do about God in you. And He shines, and you shine because He shines. And when people see the light, by the way, have you noticed when they see the light in you, they do one of two things. They either... Yeah, so they either come close to the light or they run away, right? Just get me out of here. And I'd say this, I was thinking about this this week. I I feel like uh, God was asking me this. If you've received the gift of Jesus in your life, it's time to shine and give people the opportunity to run. Either to the light or to the darkness. 
And I just want to give you a couple real, real practical verses on what this looks like to shine, to share this gift of Jesus and His presence with others. If, you, if you've been here the past few months, you know I've been walking through Philippians. I love this letter. It's from the Apostle Paul written to the church in Philippi. In chapter 2, if you recall, Paul gives us this crazy statement. He says that we are to have the same attitude or the same mindset as Christ, which really is kind of intimidating, right? The same attitude as like, oh, you know, Christ. But how do you do that? The only way you could ever do that is by the abiding presence of God in you, by the Holy Spirit. So have the same mindset of Christ. If you're going to have the same mindset of Christ, you got to be like, oh my goodness, Holy Spirit, come alive in me, have your way in me, lead me and guide me. And he goes, you know, I'm not done with this. You know, have the same mindset of Christ. And Philippians 2, chapter 14, he says, and do everything without complaining and arguing. Remember we put up that big poster to shame everyone? I'm just joking. (laughs) Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Here it is, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So that's what it looks like to have your life changed by the presence of God. Earlier in Philippians 2, it tells you that even though Jesus, this is an amazing thing about Jesus, and it's the example for us to follow. It says, even though Jesus was co-equal with God the Father, Jesus humbled himself, right? Becoming a servant, serving the Father, and serving us. Radical love, where he willingly humbled himself, all because of his love for the Father and his love for us. And Philippians 2 tells us, this is crazy, come on, it tells us that we are called to have the same attitude, the same mindset. So even though I could say I'm equal with all y'all, right? We're, just, we're co-equals. We're all co-equals. But out of humility, as I have the same mindset of Christ, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to serve you. 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 And, and then you're going to be like, okay, so now I'm going to have the same mindset of Christ. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve. And the body of Christ, that's how it works, isn't it? Where we actually humble ourselves, not looking after our own interests and our own gain, but actually the interests of what? Others. That's also talked about in Philippians 2. Radical. Radical. Saying, I'm going to serve you. Have you noticed that's kind of different than what the world looks like these days? I mean, right? That, that kind of rubs up against the attitude of this world. And why this is important that it rubs up against the attitude of the world is that when you have been changed by the presence of God where you are actually humbling yourself and serving those around you, guess what? You shine. You shine. Because it's so contrary to the world in which you live. You shine. Now, are we perfect in this? Right? I was thinking about the verse, do everything without complaining and arguing. Are we perfect at that? No. And if you say yes, you are just a liar. (laughs) No. Right? We all complain and argue from time to time. But I was thinking about this. What I love about being a Christian. Man, I love being a Christian. But what I love about being a Christian, being someone where the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me, who, who is being taught by the Holy Spirit how to have this mindset of Christ, how to have this attitude of Christ, is that the Holy Spirit doesn't let me stay in a place where I'm complaining and arguing and grumbling. Have you noticed that about the Holy Spirit? He doesn't let you stay in that place. He, he, he loves me so much. I hate, damn. Right? And, but it's with grace. We said, damn. And what does he do? He convicts me of my sin. He loves me as a father loves his son. Maybe a little discipline in there, right? But he challenges me to a better way, doesn't he? He doesn't give me excuses for my bad attitude. Like, oh yeah, go ahead and 
Do that. No, he said, no, come on. And he moves you forward. Have you noticed that about God's presence in your life? That he's always moving you. He's always moving you forward. He changes you. He transforms your mind to have the attitude of Christ. And here's the part I want us to really grasp this morning. As the Holy Spirit does this amazing work in me and does this amazing work in you, as he works in us, we actually become this amazing, powerful witness to the world of what God's presence in one person's life can do. Right? It's a testimony. So I don't care where you're at today. You allow his spirit to lead you and guide you and train you and teach you and grow you to become more like Christ. And you are a testimony of what the presence of God can do in a human being. Yeah. I mean, just think about, I mean, again, think about all the times you've just blown it at work, right? I mean, just think about the times that you've blown it at school, maybe in your family. Maybe it was like on the way to church today and you just know you acted out, you spoke out in ways that were just so far from being in alignment with the heart of God. Well, this is, this is tough, right? But we've all done it, and I'm not saying it's a good thing. But what I love about being a Christian, again, is that even in that place, we don't stay that way. Right? If we, if we man, it's just all the dumb things I've said in my life. But if we say something offensive or wrong to a coworker, if we're mean to a student, if we're rude to a family member, as Christians, because the presence of God is residing within us, what is the first thing that comes out of our mouth? I'm sorry. Man, I blew it. Would you forgive me? If you're having a bad week, right? And maybe it's the, that week where you're just like, I, for this week, for like seven days, I'm just going to complain and argue. I don't care what you say. I don't care what scripture you quote at me. I am complaining and arguing this week. It is my right to complain and argue. Have you ever done that thing in life as a Christian? Like, I am just doing this and I am complaining. I don't care who you are. Well, the Holy Spirit still loves you, doesn't he? Have you noticed how he becomes from the Holy Spirit to the Holy Ghost and he haunts you and he does not leave you alone? <laughs> And he says, I'm not letting you stay in that pit. Have you noticed that? He, he just works on you and he works on you. And when you don't stay there, when he moves you forward, I want to say this. The people around you, they notice. When you ask for forgiveness, people take notice. When you don't stay in your funk, when you correct your wrongs, when you learn from your mistakes, people take notice. And as you do this, you begin to stand out. Because you are allowing the Holy Spirit to be alive in you. And what happens? You begin to shine the light. When you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, train you, change you by His presence, you begin to shine. And one of the reasons you shine is because, again, we live in a world that struggles with light, doesn't it? It struggles with bad attitudes. It struggles with sin. It struggles without Christ. I mean, there's just this heavy... Addiction, hopeless situations, and just negative attitudes. Have you you've been in a workplace like we're talking like years in a workplace where it's just so negative? But when these people see you face some of the identical struggles they face, same struggles, but they see you actually come through it, have you know they're just like, What is your deal? Right? Where before, like, I could just get you to go to the tavern with me and we just get drunk and wasted and, yeah, screw her and screw him. But now, like, you're not, what's your, why, I thought, what's your deal? And they see that change in you and you shine and you shine in the darkness. And again, it will cause them to run. They'll either run towards you or they'll run away from you. But you become a witness. And so God, he, he wants to share his presence with others. And I just encourage all of us, and I'm talking to myself as well, just that we'd be open to the Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, changing us to become more like Jesus. And as we do that, and we're, we're not a finished work yet, right? He's still working on us. He's still molding us. He's still transforming us. He's still doing his thing. But as he does that, we're going to shine, church. 
we're going to shine. Another great way to share the gift of his presence is found in 1 Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 through 4. My dad used to tell me this one all the time growing up, and, and, I, and I think it's good. Though I used to argue, well, every kid argues with his dad. But anyways, uh, <laughs> here's the passage. This is Paul talking to Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. There it is, all people. God wants to save everyone. He brought joy for all the people. You see a similar message here? Pray for all the people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for the kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants who? Everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. I tell you, this passage in my flesh, it just bothers me in such a serious way. I do not like this passage. I do not like this passage, Sam, I am. In my flesh, I'm telling you, it just rubs up against me. I don't want to pray for all people. You ever been there in your life? I don't want to pray for you. Oh, that sounds so unchristian. Well, just be real. In your flesh, sometimes you're like, I ain't praying for you. But in your spirit... That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is truth. He is truth. There is nothing other than truth in the Holy Spirit. When you yield to the Holy Spirit, the truth of God resides within you. And as much in your flesh, you're like, I'm not praying. Yes, I'm praying. for. Yes, Lord, I just pray. Right? He just transforms you into a place where you're praying for all the people, including, by the way, those in authority. It is good. It is right. But come on. I mean, just think about all the horrific and awful things that are going on. Have you turned on the news lately? But as you do, also you got to wrestle with this verse. It says, pray for all the people. Church, we need to be praying for all the people. We need to ask God to help them, to come, to truly help them. We need to be praying for the kings, for the presidents, and all other rulers who are in authority. It's what we've been called to as Christians. It's a part of our identity that we would pray for them. And this passage, it also instructs us to live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And it says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants who? Everyone to be saved and understand the truth. You know, this week as I was preparing for today's message, that verse 3, verse 3, it really stuck out to me, right? Verse 3, what does it say? It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. I'm like, what, what's good? Wait, what, what pleases our Savior? Anyone else besides me here want to please our Savior? Right? As a Christian, is that like one of the biggest longing desires within your heart to please the Savior? Oh, Jesus, to please you. Tell me. Tell me. If there was a verse, if there was a passage to know how I could please you, God, would you just show it to me? Well, here it is. Live a life where you pray for all people. Live a life where you pray for those, even those in authority. Live a life where you live peaceful and quiet. Where your life is marked by godliness and dignity. That's the kind of life that pleases the Lord. Man, in my flesh, that's impossible. But by the presence of God, hallelujah for the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God, it is possible. It is possible. A life marked by peace and quiet, defined by godliness and dignity. Have you ever met someone living this kind of life? I have. I have them all around me. 
the person who just lives well, right? The person who's encouraging, the person who always seems to bring hope and joy when they enter the room. You know what I'm talking about. That person, when they come in the room, you're like, I am so happy. Some people we hide from, right? You know what I'm talking about when you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh my goodness, they're in aisle five and you go to aisle seven. But I'm talking about the person you're like, you're in aisle five. You're like, hey, come on over here. Because you know when they leave, you had a little bit more hope. You had a little bit more joy. You had a little bit more joy and a little bit more love. That person, they're full of godly character, integrity, honesty, dignity. When you meet that person who's full of God's presence, I don't know about you, but for me, when I meet that person, I see him full of God's presence, I'm like, yep, God's alive. Right? Right? God's alive. These are the people. They are the greatest witnesses I know. And how do they witness? It's just by the way they live, by the way they move and the way they breathe. They share God's presence with everyone around them. When you encounter them, you just know God's alive because you see God in them. You see Emmanuel. You see God with us, right? John and Karen Herbertson, right? I see their lives. I know God is alive. Donna and Carson Holler, God is alive. Are you kidding me? Rich and Terry, Dave and Laura. If you look at Emily, if you look at Sean, if you just see these people, Pastor Randy, Alex, you're just like, yes, God's alive. You know how I know God's alive? Because I see him in you. I mean, go for your debates, go for your arguments, go write your books, but I'm good. I see him right here. God is alive. Emmanuel has come. He really came. He really died. He really resurrected. He really ascended to heaven. He really sent his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit is really in you. Isn't that good? I mean, when you encounter, you just know that God is alive. You see Emmanuel. They have light. I I just think about this world that we live in right now and and with the news and all those things. And we are in a world that craves life. Have you noticed that? Just craves life. And life is only found in the presence of God. God is the giver of life. Uh, Psalm 36, 9 tells us that God is the fountain of life. And in Him, in His light, we see light. So if God, the fountain of life, is in you, like the people that I just mentioned in their names, if God, the fountain of life, is in you, then when we see you, we see God's light. And again, now not everyone will choose the light. John, in his gospel, he says that people will run to the darkness. But I also believe that there are lost. There are people who are perishing that are searching for the light. They are looking for a lighthouse. And as you walk through your life full of the presence of God, you're going to shine like a star. And the people are going to see you shine and they're going to take notice. They're going to say, I want what you have. And it's going to take every one of us in this room to truly surrender to the presence of God. To truly surrender to what he'd want to do in our lives. And let the light shine in us. That when people see us, they go, yes, God is alive because I see God in you. I'd also say this, relax. Sometimes we just go, go so stressed out about being a witness. Relax. To be a witness in this world, you don't have to be annoying or obnoxious with the gift you have received. You don't have to take the gift and cram it down people's throat. You don't have to be turn and burn. Unless you've been called to be turn and burn, then just do turn and burn somewhere not around me. But I'm just telling you, the, the ability for us to breathe, to relax, to just begin to pray for all people. Pray for all Live a peaceful life. Life, a quiet life, marked by godliness and dignity. That's, that's the recipe, church. But wait, where's the part about? No. Peaceful, quiet, godly, with dignity. And as you do, you're going to shine like a star in the sky. 
you're going to shine bright in the darkness. Just living a life that is good and pleasing to the Lord. You're going to share the gift of God's presence with those around you. That's just so incredible to me, church. And it's encouraging to me because I feel like we can all do that, right? That doesn't limit anyone. That doesn't put someone saying, yeah, you can do it and you can't. All of us can do that, church. We've all been called to do that. And so as we close, I just want to invite God's presence to dwell in us right here, right now. Just once again, receive all that he'd have for us. And that we would, as we receive his presence and, and just have his way in our lives, that those around us, when it, just, that we would pray that, Lord, would people around us be able to take notice and see the light in us? For some of us, we just need to commit again to living lives that are pleasing to the Lord. You know, we come in on a Sunday morning at all different levels in our journey of faith, right? We're all at different parts of the process. And I'm not here to judge anyone as far as where you're at with your relationship with the Lord. But regardless of where you find yourself this morning, I want to give the opportunity. I believe the opportunity is available here today for us to move forward in our walk with God. To move forward where His presence the, the presence of God, which is here, which is in us, that the presence of God right now, I'm not talking about tomorrow, I'm not talking about this evening, I'm not talking about a year from now, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about right now. God, your presence would fall on this place and your presence would lead us and move us, Lord. Have your way, Emmanuel. Is that the cry? Anyone else just have that cry in you? It's the cry of, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, that I live a life where Emmanuel, God is with us, is residing within me. Have your way, Lord God. Emmanuel. It's this gift. A gift. None that I deserve. Nothing that, I mean, are you kidding me? I can tell you all the things I've done in my life. I do not deserve the gift of his presence. Yet Jesus, who was a baby, died on the cross. And as he died on that cross and rose again and ascended to heaven and gave us his Holy Spirit, I now have the presence of God intimately within me, a relationship with him where he is teaching me what it means to have the same mindset and attitude as Christ. So church, let's just embrace this. Embrace this. Remember that Christmas carol, Joy to the World. I... I just love Joy of the World. I've been talking about it a lot lately, but listen to this. It says, Joy of the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive his king. And then it says, let every heart, what? Prepare him room. Does that challenge anyone? The idea of, Lord, may my heart prepare room for who? For your presence. Isn't that beautiful? To, to take that seriously this morning. God our hearts, we want to prepare room for Emmanuel. Our hearts, we want our hearts to be a welcoming place. So often, you know, we're Christians and so the Spirit's in there, right? I mean, that's just the reality of what's in the Bible. But sometimes it's not a very welcoming place, right? Sometimes that Holy Spirit, he's, he's like, man, I'm here, but I just don't feel very welcome. Some of us, we need to welcome him again. Does that make sense? That even though he's already here, we just need to welcome him. It's a posture. It's an attitude of the heart. God, I, I'm just, I'm sorry where I've forgotten you. I'm sorry for where I've, I've taken advantage of you. I'm sorry for where I've misused your name. I'm sorry for where I've lacked faith. God, I just welcome you again. I, I just welcome all that you would have for me, all that you are. And I'm saying if it's your first time, if it's your hundredth time, if it's your thousandth time, just today, for a holy moment that we would receive him once again. Receive him as our king. Receive him as a gift that truly has brought us hope in His presence. And so I'm going to sing a song and, and worship team if you guys. As we sing the song, I, I just invite you, we're going to receive communion and do it a little differently today. And I just want to give us some time for us just to be able to search our hearts. 
the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts, allow the Holy Spirit to do some work in us. Because as the body of Christ, it's just true. We are called to share the gift with others, right? I mean, we just are. If it was just about us holding on to Jesus and getting in our four walls and locking the doors and hiding from the world, well, we might as well go to heaven, right? What are we doing here on earth? It is truly a gift that is meant to be shared. And we are called to share God's presence with others. But the only way we could share God's presence with others is if His presence is welcomed in us first. His presence is a gift. And in this moment, I just pray that we'd use this time, this holy moment, to receive, to welcome Him, to let Him have His way in our lives once again. When you're ready, this is what I'd say. Just come down the center aisle and, and take communion. And, and you can actually take the elements back to your seat. And, and you're going to do this on your own. Just when you're ready, go ahead and receive communion. Remember Jesus' death. Remember His resurrection. But today I want you to think about this. Remember that there was a time when He ascended to heaven. And when He went to heaven, what did He do? He asked His Father, Would you send another counselor? Would you send another helper? And He did send the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, church, I'm here to tell you with confidence, our God has not left us alone. That's for every one of you this morning. You are not alone. God is with us. Come, oh come, Emmanuel. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for the beauty of your presence. We receive you once again, Lord, in the busyness of the season, in the craziness of our families, in the hostilities of this world. We lay it all down to once again receive your presence. It is a gift that you have given us. We receive it once again today, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.